You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. Uh, we come into this show in, I guess, slightly better spirits. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit of recency bias. Um, Indiana did lose to Rutgers, but persevered. I guess they didn't didn't end the season right there. Um, but we can get into that a little later. Seton Hall also picking up a win, so. Things are turning around a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we are nowhere near as doom and gloom. We are here this week. <laughs> we we mentioned that there may not be a show if uh, if neither team won a game, and it, it, we came very close. It's very close. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. But anyway. Um. I mean, still not going to make my most impressive for this week. Nope. Um. I had a couple of big team ten teams on there, um, but I'll let you start. Who uh, Who is your most impressive? I th- I had Iowa. I think Iowa has to be the most impressive team of the week. The way they dismantled Michigan, like it was, it it was close for maybe a minute in the second half where they Michigan cut the lead to about seven or six, and then Iowa came down and did what they do best and just hit jump shots. And they kept hitting jump shots, and the defense actually showed up a little bit. Michigan was clearly frustrated, especially Brazdikis. He had. Pr- I can't say his worst game because I think he was held scoreless a couple weeks ago, but he had one of his worst games where he's forcing shots, he's getting over-aggressive on the offensive glass, picking up dumb fouls, and, you know, other than John Teske, no one on that Michigan team really had a good game. Yeah, and it wasn't like Iowa just buried Michigan under a barrage of threes. There was a lot of mid-range stuff, too. Two dribble jump shots, um, Ryan Kreiner coming out of nowhere. It was very Um, Michigan-like. Dis- dismantling of Michigan. They beat him yeah. with like backdoor cuts, great passing, interior passing. It was very weird. And one of the things that did Michigan in as well was the fact that they did not shoot as as well as they have right. um, at certain points of the season, certainly to start the year. Um, Iowa owned him on the glass too. Huge game from Luca Garza. Teske has been solid, um, especially recently as Michigan as a team has not played as well. But, I mean, they really don't have a true big man. Um, yeah. And going up against a team like Iowa, who has Garza, who absolutely is a true big man, that can sometimes be, you know, a, a big issue yeah. uh, for Michigan. And it, it was on Friday. Yeah, Charles Matthews has really disappeared lately. He has not played very well, especially for a guy that people were talking about. The, bi- the big joke for Titus this year is who is Michigan's best player. It's kind of a valid question. Because yeah. a lot of a lot of people think Xavier Simpson, and a lot of people think like Jordan Poole or Charles Matthews because they're like the most skilled, talented players. But I honestly think you have to look at John Teske seriously because of the fact that he's been so consistent and there pretty much whenever they needed him, and he's kept them alive in games they probably should have been dead in, and then won them a couple games that they shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, most most consistent, reliable, for sure. Um, I mean, on paper, it should be Matthews, Brezdakis, in some order. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly was to start the year um, when everybody was playing so well. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair question at this point. Um, The other Big Ten team I had was Wisconsin. Yep. Um, Now up to five in a row. Um, Last week, one at Nebraska, and then... After Iowa beat Michigan, they beat Maryland, and uh, something that that received a little less buzz, but still an impressive win. Um, 
So you've said about Maryland multiple times, very physical team. Um, but Ethan Happ is, I mean, you talk about Teske being consistent. Happ is as consistent as anybody in the country, 18 and 11 against that front line. And I mean, it's, this is a, a classic Bo Ryan, Wisconsin team yeah. where like they don't really have great individual pieces, but it's just a, a solid basketball team, and they have that one really above-average guy in Hap who, no matter what you do, is, is just going to kill you every game. Yeah, honestly, I, I think if you look at it, you kind of have to consider Hap at this point. Like, I know Carson Edwards is having an unreal year, but doesn't Hap have to be considered player of the year at this point? I mean, 10 at least? Yeah, he's first-teamer, no doubt. Um, yeah. It's, but yeah, I think he's he's right there. Yeah, and he he just does what his team needs. Obviously, Carson Edwards does the same thing. I think this is a tough tough thing to say because both teams would not be very good without either of them. But I think Hap is more valuable to Wisconsin than uh, Carson Edwards is to Purdue because of what you said. They don't have any outstanding individual pieces outside of him. When you look at Purdue, you've got a couple of decent players on that team that. If and when Edwards isn't playing well, they at least are able to step up and make plays for them. Yeah. And the only counterpoint to that is Wisconsin really defends. Purdue right. does not as much. Because, um, I mean, without without Hab, it would truly be terrifying to see what Wisconsin was. Like, I think Virginia plays ugly basketball, and they do. Like, hapless, no pun intended, Wisconsin <laughs> would, be, uh, would just be brutal because they're they're already uh, bottom twenty in the country in tempo, um, mm-hmm. and I mean they just lean even more into that defense, which right now is is kind of surprisingly sixth nationally. Um, and then, yeah, I, I shudder at the thought because it's already it's already painful enough to to play Wisconsin, but. At least Hap can do some interesting things as a, a neutral observer. Right. Uh, my big thing about Wisconsin is them as a matchup doesn't scare me if I'm any team, essentially. Because you know Ethan Hap's going to get his, but what outside of that is going to hurt you? Obviously, well, that's the thing. Like you said, they're a good defensive team. But other than that, <laughs> like it's it's one guy. That's what it seems. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they win five straight in the Big Ten and, and they're looking like a legitimate team that can make a, a decent March run. Yeah. I mean, the, the blueprint has been out to beat Wisconsin forever, um, but nobody's capable of really executing it. Cause you really, all you have to do is stop Hap from taking open one foot shots. Yeah. But he has one. It's so move. much, it's so much easier said than done. Uh, like his, his footwork is so good. And it's kind of one of those things like, this way, I think it was the Rutgers game last year where they almost beat Wisconsin, but right. they gave Hap a wide open layup at the end, and for some reason didn't follow him, even mm-hmm. though he still only shoots fifty percent or so from the line. Like that's kind of Wisconsin as a whole. Like you look on paper, even like teams are going up against in this winning streak. Like they're not, they shouldn't be heavy favorites in any of these games, but they just keep winning and that's that's part of the the frustration with playing wisconsin and that's kind of an evergreen statement dating back like to the beginning of the bo ryan era (laughs) 
I think so. I think that's a good point because if you look at Maryland on paper, you've got to think they're an unbelievable matchup against Wisconsin. Like that yeah. is a dream scenario. You've got Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith, two guys that are infinitely more athletic, maybe not as skilled, but certainly as good of players as Ethan Happ is, and they just they couldn't handle it. Yeah, skilled enough, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that matchup going against Happ and then like. Nate Reavers, like, come on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> do you have anyone else for uh, most impressive? Yeah, I have a bunch of different teams. I want okay. a, a little uh, <laughs> mid-major slash smaller schools as well for this one. Um, last week, I shouted out Hofstra, and they promptly lost, losing the nation's longest wow. winning streak. So the curse continues. Things um, you hate to see. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep it with a larger school, though, North Carolina. They... Won pretty handily at Louisville. Louisville's turned it on. They've got a brutally tough February coming up. I think they only play one game against a non-ranked opponent. Uh, Chris Mack has overachieved, which we've mentioned already up to this point. It'll be interesting to see how he cope. He and his team cope with this February. No one can really punish them for losing these games. I think they've got either Virginia or Duke twice. This was their second game against North Carolina. And then they play Virginia Tech, I believe, as well this month. Crazy tough schedule, but the Heels fought back after, the, what was it, the worst loss at home in the Roy Williams era uh, to Louisville a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Where they shot they basically, like 25 from three. Yeah, they basically flipped the scripts on them because mm -hmm. this was not a particularly close game, even though the final margin was only 10 points. Yeah, um, it, it was it was pretty lengthy lead, like, even early on, you, you could tell Louisville was back on their heels. North Carolina just pushed the tempo, and Louisville couldn't match. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, basically holding serve um, in a way like you would have expected the home team to win in both games, but right. the road team won each in a blowout. Which, unexpected, but whatever. You said not really going to give a ton of grief to, to Chris Mack for that. Um, if you're North Carolina that's more what you want to be seeing on your team. And I think the thing they've kind of been been looking for this year is, is some offensive consistency, um, how you go from, like, dominating performance offensively. One of the best performances out of anybody this season, I think, was when they played Gonzaga at mm -hmm. home, put up over 100 in that one, um, and then, you know, struggle mightily against Kentucky or – you know, putting up 103 over Virginia Tech, another win falling flat on their face against Louisville. This was somewhere in the middle, um, but considering the quality of opponents, it's it's nice to see working their way back up. Um, I mean, nobody has an easy schedule in the ACC, no exception for North Carolina. They have NC State next, and then Virginia, Duke, Florida State all this month as well. So, all these teams really have opportunities to seriously pad or, I guess, tear apart their tournament resume. Yeah. Um, just depending on what happens. And, I mean, both North Carolina and Louisville are within a game of the lead in the ACC. So, I mean, they've, they've done well so far. They just have to continue, for sure, beating the teams that they're supposed to and then getting some ranked wins in there as well. 
Right. And even in this game, North Carolina shot 25% from three. So as seems to always be the case, probably since, I don't know, the last three years, North Carolina struggles from three. They still find ways to win games, but they struggle from beyond the arc. Yeah, with them, it's all, it always does seem to be those second and third opportunities. Is eighteen offensive rebounds in this game? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the the fact that they're plus seventeen on the glass overall—that's it's typically where they they were kind of dominating people with you know the likes of Kennedy Meeks and company inside. Um, now it's kind of a different look. They don't necessarily have true big man. Um, Brooks is is not really that um, Luke May is still going to do a little bit of everything, um, give North Carolina a chance to win. But, yeah, this this skews a little more towards what has been normal this year. Um, but those, those Cam Johnson go-off games that seem to affect everyone around him are still out there. And, mm-hmm. I mean, North Carolina can play at that level just – not consistently, which I'm sure frustrates Roy Williams and and all of Tar Heel fans out yeah. there. But uh, yeah, that that was a big win for them. Another another team I have, Bowling Green. They took took down Buffalo, a game that I said was coming. I just didn't know who it would be. Uh, Bowling Green now has a half game lead over the Buffalo Bulls in the MAC. Something to watch out for. They're 15 and six on the year. Was not the best win or the best game I've seen. They missed, I think, five or six free throws in the final minute and 30 seconds, but were able to hold on because Buffalo just couldn't hit a jump shot. Uh, A lot of these mid-major conferences are going to be very interesting. Uh, Did you have any others before I I (laughs) list off? I mean, I I think you're looking at that a little little too much glass has full. Um, cause I have that as the rationale for why Buffalo is my least impressive. I, I also uh, have them on that, that list. Uh, <laughs> all right. Cause that's still, that's still a loss to it's a bad somebody loss. Out, outside the, uh, the Ken Tom top 100. And I was just wondering loud now that you brought to my attention that Buffalo isn't even in first in their own division in the Mac. What if somehow Buffalo keeps this lackadaisical streak of play up and they just end up playing themselves out of at-large consideration? It would take a lot. They'd have to lose like three or four in a row here, I think. It's very possible because I do think... Literally all of these are bad losses. Yeah, I think the Mac is better than people think, but it's not going to show up as decent wins or losses, I should say. Like, Northern Illinois has done them no favors. They're 12-10 and 10 this year, and that loss was, no no question about it, bad. Toledo is 18-4, and four, but I still don't think that's, a like, a decent loss. I think that'd still be considered a bad loss, and that's probably the, the best bad loss you can have in that conference. Bowling Green would be the next one, but if they lose another two, I think you gotta th- you got to talk about them on the bubble. Like, their best win is Syracuse this year. Yeah. And yeah, um, West Virginia didn't do them any favors either. Right. Um, but yeah, like they've they've done more than you know a team like Monmouth right. did a couple of years ago. Um, two top fifty wins. There's San Francisco in there as a solid win as well. But 
I could see a scenario if they finish the year with like six losses or something, um, five or six losses that where they're just left out. It's the uh, the game at Toledo on the fifteenth is going to be pretty huge because Circle that Toledo, line, folks. Toledo's the closest thing to a. I guess good win for Buffalo in the MAC. Yeah, um, as I said, literally all of these can be bad losses. Um, I mean, on paper they should beat everybody, but they should. The fact that they're not, and now they're they're falling out of first place, is kind of the time where you hope they they stop playing around and just you know dominate as they should. But shrug. Who knows. Who knows? Uh, the last two teams I have, real quick: Lipscomb, eighteen and four, uh, eight-game win streak, I believe, in the uh, Atlantic Sun. They beat Liberty, who was tied for first with them by twenty on the road, and then beat North Alabama, newly Division One, by twenty-two. They score eighty-five and a half points a game, and are going to be a very fun team to watch if they make the NCAA tournament. I'm not going to guarantee it for them because I don't want to jinx any more teams like we have this year. Uh, the other one is Wofford, a team that most people I think are aware of. They're nineteen and four, ten-game win streak. They are eleven and zero in their conference. UNC Greensboro and Wofford is going to be an unbelievable game. Like. Probably one of the best in the mid-major, low-major conferences of the year. That is one to watch out for, especially uh, come conference tournament time. They do play on the 16th. That is the only game they play, second game, excuse me, they play in the regular season. Wofford won the first one by 30 at UNC Greensboro. But the Terriers are good. They also score the ball a bunch, 83 points a game. Now, Lipscomb in particular is a very interesting case. Um, they beat TCU. They they won at TCU. Um, they won at SMU, which is an okay win. Their losses on the year, they got swept by Belmont randomly, um, and then at Louisville, at Clemson. Not bad losses. Yeah. They the uh, their wins aren't as strong um, necessarily. The TCU one is a big one. SMU has not aged as well, similar to West Virginia. Right. Um, has not aged as well as, as you would hope, but Vermont is okay. Mid Tennessee is not as good as they usually are. Like, yeah. They're, they're just some games that just did not go their way. Yeah. If they, if they just went out, um, and get upset in the conference title again, um, that would be that would be a very very intriguing conversation. They are a rankings darling too. I think they're top forty in the net or top fifty in the net, and they're thirty six in Ken Palm. So yeah, these are the things to watch out for. They play top twenty defense and they run a high tempo game. So they're a fun team to watch if you ever get a ch- chance to check them out. But yeah, outside of you know Gonzaga, Nevada, and Buffalo, they're the the highest ranked well actually that's a lie Wofford. Wofford's right there 31 yeah I read that as SEC for a second um but yeah that's that's gonna be an interesting case there's a lot of good mid-major teams that it's the perfect you know we'll, for good we'll have teams yeah and we'll we'll inevitably have the same conversation again and I'm, honestly like it'll probably be teams like Seton Hall in Indiana. Yep. But like, are we going to let these teams, really in, put these teams or, in, or are we going to let in a very good uh, mid-major team? And obviously, 
how things are now, not how things will be at the end of the season, but right. should current trends continue, certainly for, you know, these teams playing. San Francisco um, will be up there, too. Yeah. Yeah, San Francisco is a good team. They're, They're the only Matt one. Darling, too. They're the only one who's given Gonzaga anything resembling a game mm-hmm. in the West Coast. Um, so they should get some consideration as well. Yeah, I mean, look at a Utah State. There's there's good teams out there in non-Power 6 leagues. And this is a conversation we have every year um, about, you know, scheduling comes into to question, certainly. Um, and obviously, we could get into similar conversations that we have during football season, but right over the over the course of a much bigger slate of games, I think it is easier to ascertain how good a team is, um, separate from just looking at the number next to you know their strength of schedule. Right, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean these are the these are the conferences I like to watch because while I do enjoy power conference basketball these are the games that make college basketball so great because when you get to the nitty-gritty in february and then march when conference tournaments come around that's when it's all the passion and all the fire you know teams are playing for their lives everyone gets a reset and a new chance in the conference tournament game and while it's great to see teams like lipscomb and wofford go undefeated here they're still going to get teams best shots the rest of the way and in the conference tournament yeah absolutely that is all I have for most impressive. <laughs> okay. I mean, my my first least impressive was Buffalo, um, as we said. Um, and then after that, have to mention NC State. Yep. I like I I watched none of the game live and it, it's just mind boggling. I wish how, I had how this can happen. Because like for for those of you who have been under a rock potentially, um, NC State held Virginia Tech to 47 points in a solid defensive showing, and they lost by 23. They almost got so, doubled up. <laughs> so, which is absurd. Like, you, you think of some of the great, like, Penn State-Wisconsin battles um, yeah. back in the Ed DeCellis days where both teams are in the 30s. Um, I think Illinois-Northwestern had that one year, a particularly I mean, you could even say Virginia-Wisconsin lately, too. Yeah. But 24 points <laughs> just... I, I don't I don't understand it for like and it's not it's not like this is a a Virginia or something like that like NC State had a like they've had a good offense for the course of the season this one game tanked them like over twenty spots Ken Palm yeah. offensively um, but yeah I just. It's it's mind boggling, and and Virginia Tech's a fine defensive team. Don't get me wrong, but like this is this is just such an extreme, um, an extremely bad performance that like you're saying in in the the group meet. Just looking at the score, I would have assumed that they just played outside because <laughs> you're just getting like not able to shoot jump shots because it's windy or something. Right, so, just like high level two ranked teams college basketball like i don't i don't understand how this happens yeah nine of 54 from the field it's a program low like 16%. like 16 percent. yeah and then uh it's the least points scored by a team in the shot clock era of college basketball you think yeah which is saying something because the shot clock used to be 40 seconds and those are long possessions that bleed out a game 
it's tough. This week especially was just devastating for NC State. They had Virginia. They probably should have won that game at home. They lose in overtime. Markel Johnson gets nicked up a little bit. He's coming off injury. Things happen. They don't. It doesn't go their way. Whatever. They bounce back. They get Virginia Tech also at home. These are two home games. You win one of those, and you're you're fine. Now that you lose these two in this fashion, you gotta you gotta wonder about the team's confidence and mentality moving forward because they've played a, a home heavy schedule so far in the ACC, and they've got to go on the road and play some more good teams this this month. So, is NC State a team? that we might see take a slide because of this and because of these last two games, we'll have to watch. But I feel like there's too much talent there for them to really let this happen too long. Markel Johnson's got to figure out his shot selection because it hasn't been good and they need to get Torn Dorn uh, involved a little more often because he's, at this point, he's their best player this year. I mean, totally random, but Torn Dorn is just the most ridiculous name. Yeah. Like the the very first NC State game I watched this year, I had uh, I googled it because I thought there was just a glitch with what the <laughs> announcer was saying, and I was just hearing him wrong. Like, nope, that's just his name. Torn, torn. Um, but yeah, yeah, NC State. Those and, and and coming back to something we were talking about earlier, those are the opportunities for yep good wins that you have to take advantage of, especially at home, especially when you get a team like Virginia in a scenario where. I mean, quite frankly, they don't spend a lot of time. So that was that was a huge, huge opportunity. And then, I mean, if anything, can assume that, that NC State was still letting that get to them by the time they played Virginia Tech, and that's why they were so lackluster. Um, right. But, yeah, I, that's, that's my only potential spin zone slash excuse for Kevin Keats because – I mean, you you got to come up with something after scoring twenty four points at home. I don't even know what to say. Like it's it's so crazy when you see that. It was like five to two at the under twelve out in the first yeah. half. Yeah, that's their leading scorer had seven points. They shot seven percent from three. Still, still not a balanced scoring attack. No, that's still still almost a third of their points. Yeah, the only other teams I had to mention were LSU. They did exactly what we said they shouldn't do. They lost at home to Arkansas. Uh, Feverish comeback at the end. They couldn't get it done. I mean, that's where LSU basketball lives. They never want to fly too high, and they they always like to knock themselves down a few pegs whenever they get up there. I will say this this is significantly better from where they were a few years ago not making the tournament with the number one overall pick and best player in the country. They have a lot of talent still. I think and they're going to be another fine. NBA player. Yeah. Two, two NBA players. One of whom is just like a scoring machine. That's all he's known for. And then the other one was the number one pick, but that's, that's uh long gone. They're, they're still talented. I think they'll be fine. Obviously the loss to Arkansas doesn't do them any favors, should uh, turn on some some alarms, spark some alarms, whatever you want to say, is a home loss nonetheless. Um, so yeah, they they need to get it together a little bit down there. But uh, the other the last team I was going to mention was Hofstra, who I already brought up. They lost by double digits to Northeastern, who I think beat Georgetown this year. They beat somebody decent. Um, the Pride still in first in uh, the CAA 
Gonzaga now holds the nation's longest win streak at 12. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for for LSU, that would have been two ridiculous comebacks yeah. um, after the Missouri game. So that maybe that's just their sweet spot where the where they like to play from. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, it helps them a little bit. Um, well, I was I was uh, Northeastern beat Bama. Bama, that's who. Yeah. They also played back-to-back games against Davidson this year, randomly. So, all that's these, fun. All these smaller schools are playing, like, two-per-games against teams. It's really yeah, out of, out of conference. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, but I, I have to, to, to show my objectivity, I have to throw Michigan State in there. Yes. Um, least impressive. So, Indiana won. It was gutsy, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Um this should not have been game day. I don't know why it was game I day. I don't understand it. I wish they don't, I wish it was NC State. That would have been amazing. <laughs> they don't they don't get props for the game being good after the fact because like on paper it would have made more sense to go to, you know, either Virginia Tech, NC State, or Louisville, North Carolina. Right. You know, two games between like two ranked teams. Right. Instead of something with a fifteen point spread. Nevertheless, um Juwan Morgan goes out played i think 13 minutes wasn't super effective but he's obviously the the best forward anything um indiana has for you know slowing down nick ward and kenny goins um but then the team and also nick ward not knowing how to shoot free throws i refuse to believe he's he's a 68 percent shooter yeah, um, he was. He's like over nine. The team was eight for twenty-two. Basically, Cassius Winston was the only one who could do anything. He played phenomenally well, very close to a triple-double. Also made free throws, but this is a team without arguably its best player and who you're allowing to have its best shooting performance from deep. Yeah. I don't even know. Maybe all season they hit ten threes, and they they've been averaging just over four in conference play, which is one of the lowest marks ever. Um, yeah, that's a uh, real bad loss for Michigan State. Yeah, and I was gonna say something about Deron Davis too because I was like, is he fucking around or what is going on? Because whenever he ran. He looked he's like... He's slow. He, yeah. I was going to say, is he just <laughs> slow in general, or is he hurt, or what's the deal? And then they're like, oh, he's got well, injury. It's a those, little bit of everything. Yeah. he. I mean, he's he's carrying a lot of weight, first and foremost. <laughs> yes. But he's, he's, he's kind of a dying breed in that he's a, a traditional back-to-the-basket big man. Um, he took like a 17-footer at one point, and it was just like instant cringe, like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? And it didn't it didn't miss by much, I'm like, bad, but I had never seen him do that before, and it's it's not in his game at all. But, I mean, that's it's a little bit what IU's been missing, um, having him and Devontae Green come back, obviously a big difference offensively compared to what they had in the nightmare at Rutger. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, having him kind of because because Nick Ward's much the same way. It, it's really a problem with Davis when you go up against you know any any modern offensive team like Duke last year couldn't really play or maybe it's two years ago. Um, either way, um, couldn't really play him a lot because all of the 
the one-on-one matchups he would have. Okay, it was last year. With, like, Marvin Bagley, they just pull him out from underneath the basket and it'd be a complete mismatch. But right. what he's able to just make post moves and play post defense against Nick Ward and not have to do anything else, that's how he's able to have one of the better games of his career. Um, so that that really helps mitigate the loss of, of Morgan against pretty much any other team in college basketball that doesn't really play like that. Could have been a bigger issue, but Michigan State kind of played right into that. Yeah, and Smith and Durham were great too. You know, yeah. just timely shots and big defensive plays from Smith, big rebounds as well. So it was the game. We didn't expect Indiana to put it all together like that in one game so nope. quickly following seven losses. But it was all the little things that you were hoping to see over those seven games come together, and they finally did. It's like I would. At the start of the year, I would have expected you know Indiana to be able to come into the Breslin Center and put up a fight. This is also somewhere that the only time they won in like the last thirty plus years is when Zeller and Oladipo were playing. Right. Um, the the Derek Nix Cody Zeller dick punch game. Great <laughs> yes. memories. Uh, but like I would have expected a competitive game, but I would have expected Indiana to come in at like fifteenth in the country, not barely over 500 on a seven-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, it's the the team we kind of expected, but they have struggled mightily to get here. I mean, I hopefully it makes them turn a corner, but it's the Big Ten. They're still going to be playing ranked teams. Next game is against Iowa, who, as we mentioned, is playing very well. So, could just be a mirage, but hopefully it's something that, that Indiana builds on. If you're Michigan State, this is following... Um, a loss to Purdue where Purdue kind of manhandled them. So yeah. we'll be looking for answers as well. They had a chance to take sole possession of first in the Big Ten and just completely yeah. let it go. Yeah, so now they'll, they'll have to go to the, the madhouse that is Illinois against <laughs> a, a team that says Illinois can win it all. The, the big they, that is. Yeah, I mean they they do have this they they have the second in strength of schedule so far, so maybe that's why their record sucks. Yes, they're <laughs> playing the tough games early. I don't I don't know I don't know how else to spin it, but yeah, that's that's where they're at. Um, got a got a top ten for me this week. Oh, you better believe it. Uh, number ten, I went off uh, off the beaten path a little. I'm going Houston. The Cougars wow. have played very well. Uh, they survived against Temple, who already beat them once this year. 21-1 and on the season, play great defense. They've been figuring it out. Davis Jr. is a great guard for them. And uh, they're winning. The, you know, the AAC isn't as great as it has been, but they keep winning. Uh, you know, when you get Michigan State and Michigan losing games, you got to move someone up, and, and this is who it was. Just a quick interjection. Yeah. Uh, Houston basically should be undefeated. Yeah. Only not because they, they charge at the buzzer. Exactly. It's like, people forget that. They do. Kel- <laughs> Kelvin Sampson, man. What a job he's done. Yeah. UCLA. Here he comes. Could, could be. <laughs> uh, number nine, I put Michigan, dropped them down. Iowa, I mean, it's their second loss of the year. They're, it wasn't a good game by any stretch of the imagination for them. They played poorly more than Iowa played well, I think, and that is why I have confidence in this team still. They didn't play great defense, and they really didn't get much offensively. They can turn it around pretty easily. Uh, Number eight, Marquette. 
Golden Eagles keep winning. Marcus Howard's very good. The Housers are very good. It's very annoying. I'm not excited to play them again. Uh, but they've got a big game against Villanova this weekend. Seven North Carolina, big win at Louisville. Kentucky at number six. The Cats keep winning, and they keep looking pretty good doing it. It's very annoying. Um, I thought our jinx might work for them. It did not. Five Nevada. Again, another team that keeps winning. I think they won by 20-plus both games this past week. Uh, Boise State, they won, I think, 93-73. Four is Virginia. They escaped North Carolina State. It's really all you had to do. Win and win and win. Duke at three. I I need to, to clear some things up. I, I From the beginning of the season, I said that R.J. Barrett was the best player on Duke. I'm officially ready to change my stance. Wow, very, very big of you. It is Zion. He, I didn't think he was as skilled as he was. I thought he was more of the phenomenon and athlete than anything. I feel like we've seen these guys, a la LeBron Nash, come into college basketball as a hyped McDonald's All-American. Obviously not to the level that Zion was, but like super athletic, you know, going to change how his team plays, and then they just stink. So when Zion comes in and is actually you know, a great passer and has moves on the perimeter as well as in the post and plays defense and, you know, hustles for loose balls, all the intangibles as well as just the, the little things. You got to change it. Plus, plus the fact that I think he has scored as many points or is, uh, has made as many baskets on like 130 less shots than Barrett. He's super efficient, just an unbelievable player overall. You know, not that anyone needs me to tell you that because he's clearly been doing it all year i'm just finally ready to admit it uh to gonzaga again c keep winning and number one tennessee falls have played very weird basketball since becoming number one it's not been great it's not been pretty but they they keep getting it done and i feel like it's a ticking time bomb before they lose again and honestly a, a loss might be what they need to reset and find their game because they haven't played as well as they should be just Unreal name drop of LeBron Nash. Yeah. It's my, it's my biggest takeaway from that. People forget Oklahoma um, State. Yeah, it's only 26, as I just found out. Him and uh, uh, Marcus Smart. Yeah. Uh, slightly different paths yeah. post-college. But, um, yeah, Michigan State, still think they're a top-10 team. Didn't really like anyone enough to to move ahead of them um, from outside the top-10. Marquette at 9. Michigan at eight, um, they've earned a lot of, I guess, trust slash respect from their start to the year, even though they're seemingly coming apart at the seams a little bit recently. Um, UNC at seven, mentioned the, the big one at Louisville, uh, Nevada at six, Kentucky at five, as much as it pains me, um, Really, the biggest challenger to to Tennessee right now with with LSU stumbling. Um, Virginia at four, Duke at three. That'll be a big game this week. Um, TBD if Ty Jerome is going to play. Obviously, that will tip the scale significantly in mm-hmm. Duke's favor if if he's out. Um, Gonzaga two, Killian Tilly didn't really do much last week. Um, put together five and two and four and two performances, but. Only played 30 minutes, and they're really bringing him along slowly. A, because these are blowouts. Um, B, because Brandon Clark has been playing so well. Um, He's been great all much, year. Yeah, much lower usage rate um, than he had 
at San Jose State, where obviously he was the guy, but he's playing even more efficiently, even if his overall numbers are down, shooting better from the field, the line, from behind the arc. I mean, blocking three shots a game, um, two near double-doubles this week um, and wins over BYU and San Diego. And, yeah, I mean, Gonzaga's good. That is, that's a recurring theme on here. Yeah. Uh, and then still have still have Tennessee at number one as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's really flown under the radar nationally because um, I feel like everyone just still acts like Duke is number one. Yeah. Even though they're not, um, Tennessee not really wowing you as much. I mean, they they beat overmatched teams by twenty two and seventeen. But if you already forget, South Carolina was basically leading the the SEC. So they were right there, not a it's not a bad an week for the Gamecocks. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the frustrating thing is at this point for Tennessee is that the the quality wins that you thought would be available are not there. Is Auburn's fallen off, Ole Miss, Mississippi State also fallen out of the rankings. LSU is trending in that direction, so it's basically coming down to Kentucky, who they'll get to see twice. Um, first one on the sixteenth, but I mean, other than that, you you hope some of these other teams I just mentioned. Pick it up, get back into the rankings. Um, those matchups are late February, early March, but mm-hmm. so if right now, not not a lot of quality wins remaining um, for Tennessee. So I hope they avoid stumbling. If they if they stay the course, obviously they'll be a one seed. I would think is no brainer, but don't want to open the door for anyone potentially. Right. Someone particular in that conference we would not like to see. Yeah, yeah, really, really hate Vanderbilt on here. Yep, we uh, we got San Francisco Gonzaga the return to Spokane this week on Thursday. I mean, yeah, I I, I just don't think that's going to be close. I think I think, I think the blowout. I think that they they had a real chance to beat them at home. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga put them away late with the thirteen zero run. No one, no one's been closer in conference. We were talking about earlier. Um, I mean, San Francisco needs this to bolster their at-large. Um, I think if they win, know, and they don't lose to anyone that's not BYU or Gonzaga. I think they can get an at-large bid. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're they're a good enough team. Certainly, they've they've got the the name guy in Frankie Ferrari. Yeah, but uh, that's what they but, need. But that sells you in March. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This don't don't save this recording if things go wrong. But I just I don't I don't really see how Gonzaga lets this one uh, slip away. But I mean, we can, we can both agree San Francisco is clearly the second best team um, in the West Coast Conference. But having that opportunity at home slip away like it did. And then having to go to Gonzaga, it's not back to back, so I'm not expecting like a full meltdown like NC State did against Virginia Tech after letting the Virginia game slip away. But right. I don't, I don't think they'll do better. No, I, I agree. I think maybe they keep it close for a half, but in the second half Gonzaga pulls away big time. They just don't have the athletes like Brandon Clark, super athletic guy in his own right, but just 
leaps and bounds more athletic than anyone San Francisco yeah. has. Like every ball he can go get, whether it's a block shot or a rebound. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he was putting dominating blocks on the likes of Tennessee, mm-hmm. the number one team in the country. So, yeah, I, I think he'll eat. Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Villanova, Marquette, Duke, Virginia, all on Saturday. And then uh, Sunday, Cincinnati at Houston. That's an actual ranked game in the American. Yeah, Cincinnati finally made it in the top 25. Um, in time to get kicked right out. Yeah, probably. We'll see. Uh, be a good weekend. And the, uh, the committee is going to release the top 16. Oh, yeah. This weekend is always always fun. Won't have to worry about our teams being in there, <laughs> probably. I doubt um, it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Never say never. Yeah, you never know. There's gonna be there's gonna be one rando in there, like Baylor or something. So I'll have <laughs> that to look forward to. <laughs> is, is Baylor a good team? That's, don't, I mean, is, much like Scott Drew, it's <laughs> things are cyclical perpetually um, in that area yeah but we will we'll have the top 16 to talk about next week we'll have all those games to i guess pick up the pieces in the aftermath um there should be some big movement in the polls after this week um we'll be right here once again to uh to break down for you keep on listening